0: Calvary Cast. Listeners, we're back. Episode 116 today. Been away for a couple days, but worked on a new project, which we dropped last week. Very excited about that.
1: Marlene Yeah, and God's grace in her life.
0: Very, uh, very cool story and uh, podcast a good way to do that. I was thinking about that. Our our last church our old pastor always used to say i wish we could video like testimonies of people Mm -hmm. you know especially older saints as but i was always like i don't the video would look terrible for us but then now 15 years later i'm like the podcast it's perfect for it so and maybe
1: 15 years from now whoever's here will do the capability of the video videos the production
0: and the equipment and all of that to make a video look good and do all the things you want would be way harder mm. than the podcast. So anyway, we are back.
1: <laughs> you're excited. Whose accent is that? Are you trying to do something there? Or is nope. that you're just being, nope. just being, you're just being Graham. Just being great voice. Just being weird. Okay. And, uh, I almost sounded like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'll be back.
0: I'll be back. We're back. Anyway, I, I, that's all I have. Do okay. anything else? Nope. All right. Hey, let's uh, first, let's talk
1: about our uh, Book of the Month.
0: Book of the Month, which is...
1: Good and Angry. Good
0: and Angry. Uh, an oxymoronic title, maybe? Yeah,
1: like somebody would say, I'm good and angry right now. Isn't it? Don't think people say that? I don't know. It's probably something they... But he's trying to show that being good and angry simultaneously, right? Mm-hmm like be angry, but do not sin. And he's trying to help people understand what anger is. And even when you don't think you have a problem with it, you do. Yes. And how to identify it and how it expresses itself in people's lives in different ways. And then how to uh, work through it. But most of the, the part to me that's the most helpful is the concept of being able to be angry and how then you should go about that in a constructive way, Mm -hmm. a mercifully constructive way. What was the phrase, though, he used? You remember? The
0: constructive displeasure of mercy, I believe, is what he he said.
1: So there's a way to do that, and that would be Christ-like. To not be angry is not Christ-like. Like Like if we never get angry over injustices or Mm -hmm. somebody wrongs someone we love or whatever it is, there's no way to not be angry when yeah. those things happen
0: now you so you think the middle part of the book is your favorite I'd say the beginning and the end is my favorite because okay. I liked just the first part where he's just analyzing what anger is yeah that's I really helpful that. yep and and even defining it I won't tell people so now you go buy it and you read it for yourself yeah and then the end the the how do we deal with some of our anger because I think mm-hmm. that's where like think about the anger issues that exploded a home and a marriage and workplace and all those things like how do we fight that so those things don't happen right some helpful things in that
1: yeah Well, with anger there's that idea that you get like for me i sometimes will feel guilt Mm -hmm. if i'm angry Mm -hmm. but i have to recognize that anger is part of humanity right Right. in a fallen world and it's god god gets angry right so it's it's one of those things where you don't have to feel guilty with angry, but with anger, but you should be thinking through the why of your anger, and because though that's where you're going to start finding out. Okay, I'm actually wrong in being angry right right. now, or I might be right in anger, but the way I handle this has got to be different. So, yeah, I think it's just you know, and um, it's his way of just really it's a helpful way of breaking it down for people making you actually think about anger yeah. and uh, so we recommend it
0: recommend it uh, we roll out but by Sunday there are more copies now
1: I think we got a lot of angry people running <laughs> around <in> our congregation <laughs> They're like, I need to I'll <laughs> put oh, <laughs> on anger <laughs> good
0: no, that's the point alright good uh, segment number two check this out Nice, nice I intro. mis mistimed what it.
1: What's the intro? What are we doing?
0: Well, this is the check this out segment. Oh. We did this a little while ago where we decided if we came across like things that weren't a whole podcast, now this is going to be a whole podcast, mm-hmm. articles, podcasts, things like that, that people should just go uh, check out. You. Yeah. Okay. They should do that. So mm-hmm. that's what this segment is. And it will segue into the topic of the day. Yes. But what we want people to check out, and there will be a link in the podcast notes, is a little video mm-hmm. called what?
1: It's a little ditty about Jack and Diane. What? Oh, no. That was something. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, no, this is. Uh, is that reference? I totally misreferenced. Okay. Yeah, it's a song and okay. it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh <laughs> check out a youtube video a youtube
0: video now wh- how do you find what is youtube
1: youtube is the only form of social media that's worth having on your phone your device what is or, social media
0: yeah <laughs> <laughs> no YouTube, explain it to me, me like YouTube i'm a three-year-old
1: education i learn so much on youtube it's, it's all, You I'd, waste a lot of time on YouTube. No, really, like this, I found that on there, just scrolling through, looking for something to listen to. While I was working out, find this video, and thought, wow, that'd be interesting to listen to, yeah. listen to it while I'm working out. Wonderful. Yeah. Um uh, You can also learn helpful things around the house on YouTube as well, like if you don't know how to do something. it is true. And I do know medical professionals, and I will not <laughs> name them, <laughs> who sometimes need to pull out YouTube to figure out how to do something. Okay, I'm just ah! saying. <laughs> But but, so YouTube is very helpful (laughs) and it can be entertaining and it can be a time waster like anything else. But anyway, let's get to the point. It is a video on it's called. um, Oh, sorry. Had it right here. I'll pull it up. It was called The Confessions of an Ex-Seeker Driven Preacher. It is on uh, Costi Hinn's. uh, Now, it's uh, not his
0: thing. What's the page
1: called? The page is called For the the Gospel. But now, Costi Hinn is interesting, just a little side note. The the guy that's interviewing this ex-seeker-driven preacher, Mm -hmm. Costi Hinn was uh, Benny Benny Hinn's Hinn's nephew.
0: Yes. Now, some people will know Costi Hinn if they watched the American Gospel documentary. that came out several years ago. He's a big part of that.
1: So, in this video, Costi is interviewing this pastor who was part of the seeker-sensitive movement seeker sensitive tradition in churches but god worked in him showed him the error of his ways mm-hmm. and he led the entire congregation out of that movement mm-hmm. and now they have a healthy church a healthy yeah. structured biblical church
0: yeah uh really good story um an unusual story
1: very unusual
0: very unusual but what he does in there is he, he he well one tells the story but then helpfully dissects like some of the problems mm-hmm. with seeker sensitivity and uh, so all of that leads us to our topic of the day does it not <laughs> topic of the day which is the danger of seeker sensitive churches
1: what a transition that was Brilliant. It was brilliant. We're
0: like radio pros. We are. Uh, Which, okay, so this actually fits. I got to think about this. Our last podcast was, what kind of a church is CBC? And today we're going to say, CBC is not a seeker-sensitive church. Nope. And uh, so what we're going to do is discuss, well, this video is kind of the springboard, right? We're not going to discuss the video. We will probably say some of the same things that they will say on that video, but less eloquently and with less practical experience coming out of a seeker-sensitive
1: church. Yeah, because neither one of us have experience in seeker-sensitivity No,
0: right? I think at one point in my life I would have wanted
1: to. Sure, we all to have a degree. That. We all went through that
0: phase, right? It was really yeah. bad seeker-sensitivity. It was... Have I told you about some of this? Uh, that's a story for another time.
1: Yeah, I don't think you've told me about it.
0: it yeah, anyway, it wasn't really seeker-sensitivity. It was trying to look hip and cool, and it was a epic failure.
1: Was that your Mark Driscoll time? Yeah. Did you get an army jacket? No. Oh, then you weren't totally and you weren't totally bought in. It was
0: more it. bad, bad stage design attempts. Okay. Really bad. Anyway. Uh So that video springboarded this thought. We thought, let's talk about seeker-sensitive churches. And then we both also had conversations with people recently Mm -hmm. about seeker-sensitive churches, why we don't do what some other churches do. Because we
1: we understand that people in our church, uh, most of them have family or friends that go to seeker-sensitive churches. And when maybe sometimes when they talk to those people, those people that are going to the secret sensitive churches, they don't have the answers of why it's wrong. Yes. And we want to make that clear. Like we're not just saying, um, you know, Calvary Bible church has its way of worship. Um, it's, it's philosophies around church and that we're not saying that that's one way. And then these other churches are doing that, that their thing. And that's okay. I think we want to come out now and just be pretty clear that we don't think it's okay. Right that we think it's it's actually a wrong way to quote-unquote do church, right. and that is, by the way, the, an right. expression from seeker-sensitive right. model is doing church.
0: And that doesn't mean that every church looks like our church or things like that, but what we're saying is there is a philosophy of ministry that undergirds what we do and right. a philosophy that undergirds the seeker-sensitive movement, and we're saying that is not a biblical philosophy. Now, I think... We should before we we need to define what we mean when we say yeah. seeker sensitive. We'll do that in a minute. In a minute, but I think there's a couple other things that people need to understand first. This isn't us just trying to like bash right. a seeker sensitive church right. or say they're all ill-intentioned, false gospel preaching people. I, if you watch that video, he makes that point. He's like, the majority of seeker sensitive churches are well-intentioned, mm-hmm. but they're misguided. You know, right. they've not, they don't have a well-fleshed-out theology, right. things like that. And that's what leads them. They have wrong conclusions, and it leads them in wrong wrong places. That's right. There are seeker-sensitive churches, guys like Andy Stanley, Stanley yeah. that they are, Second Peter 2, false teachers.
1: Yeah, he's right. making that very clear Making it yep. very
0: clear. They have rejected Christian orthodoxy, and they are what we would like, they are the end of the seeker-sensitive yeah, right. stuff. The other thing I think is important, just so people understand from the front, this is not just a bash. You almost every week pray for the churches of our city, mm-hmm. that there would be revival mm-hmm. and a flourishing of the gospel in them, right? So yeah. this fits with that, right? Like, yeah. we should want churches in Grand Junction that are have a bad mit- philosophy of ministry to get a healthy one. That's That'd right. be great.
1: Yeah. And that, you know, it is, I do pray most weeks for the church, our brothers and sisters in churches around the city. And we don't claim to be the only church in town, obviously. Um, But part of my prayer, and and maybe after this podcast, people will detect it more. Part of my prayer is a concern for so many of our brothers and sisters in unhealthy, seeker-sensitive modeled churches who are not getting a steady diet of biblical teaching who are in churches where um, sin is rarely mentioned. Um, You know, they're starting to come pretty close to accepting, if not accepting, you know, some of the really worldly philosophies like the LGBTQ plus community. And I'm concerned about that. And I don't want our church to ever get the impression that I just think a church is a church is a church. It's not. And uh, the seeker-sensitive model has done damage in the churches. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll quote from an article later that shows that their own creators of this model revealed that it doesn't work to create disciples. They they came out, they realized this, and and that it's wrong, and that we think believers should either, well, if their churches aren't going to change and become more biblical, they should leave those churches. I think I could... You know, there's many churches, if people were going to them I'd, and they'd say, well, should we leave our church? I'd say, yes. Um, that's an unhealthy uh, model of church.
0: Yeah. And unfortunately, I don't, I, it, to me, it seems like there's a lot of churches like this mm-hmm. in Grand Junction. Yeah,
1: there are. Uh, so there are, it's the mainstream bigger churches in our our, our city, mm-hmm. none of them our churches that I would attend or feel comfortable sending my family to attend or recommending them. Yeah. When we've had people leave our congregation to go somewhere else. um, I've, if I were to recommend them a church that would fit them better than ours, I would never recommend one of those churches. Right. And this is the key reason, or one of the key reasons this underlying philosophy that drives the way they lead their ministries is wrong, and it's unbiblical, and it's faulty, and it does damage. And it's been going on now since the 70s and 80s. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing the results of it in Christians who no longer know their Bible, nor do they care if they know right. their Bible. Right, Christians who have no concept of what a what a local church should look like anymore. We're into the second and third generation of people being raised in these structures that... Uh, we call them churches and, and sometimes I have trouble even doing that. Yeah. I mean, if we use some of the old definitions of what a church is, they barely meet that, those qualifications right. to even call it a church. So
0: That'd be a whole other podcast we should do on, like, what are the marks of a true church? Yes. Maybe that'll be part two. One other uh, point that I would, Make just by way of introduction, then we'll talk a little bit more about seeker sensitivity and some of the problems with it. But I'd say it's helpful people to understand there's gradations of seeker sensitivity, mm-hmm, right. right? Not all churches go the full, you know, Andy Stanley has taken it to an extreme. Yes. But there are other churches that th- they haven't, right? They've adopted certain ideas, but yet other areas are still faithful. So yep. understand that. Right. Okay, should we first define, what do we mean when we are talking about seeker sensitivity?
1: Right, it is... um when we th- when we use the term seeker sensitivity we're not using something that is they would consider offensive right they would actually agree with this term and what we're going to say about it but it began it really the roots of it could be traced back to Bill Hybels and uh Bill Hybels in Chicago possibly Rick Warren out in Saddleback
0: or uh the Crystal Cathedral guy
1: The Crystal Cathedral uh, Robert, Robert Schuller. Schuller um his his was it could all this, the, all this movement sure could be traced to him. His was a little different in that uh, his big concern was just to start beginning uh, to get pastors to stop talking about sin, mm-hmm. to just get rid of offensive language, which yes, connects right into uh secret sensitiveism. but you can read the history of Bill Hybels and the Willow Creek church. And Bill Hybels grew up in a conservative church and, um, I think if I remember right, as the story goes, his dad was going to invite some unbelievers to church, and Bill was thinking in his mind, this was as he was a kid or teenager or in that age, room, oh no, don't do that, it'll drive him away from um the gospel because this right. was it was just a sounds like a simple smaller church and different things, and he he became uncomfortable with what they would call traditional model of church. Mm-hmm. And wanted to create a church, a type of church that was a attractional Mm -hmm. to unchurched people. And so in the beginning years of this with Hybels and others that would do this, they would go around into neighborhoods. They would give out uh, surveys to people, especially people who weren't going to church. What kind of church would you like to see? (laughs) Now you're asking yeah. worldly people this. Right. What kind of church would you attend? Well, of course what came back was, you know, well, I would attend a church that, you know, didn't have long sermons or really didn't talk, you know, just sermons from the Bible it had to be more relevant teaching. Um, you know, no offensive language, you know, telling me you're I'm a sinner or what have you. And the big one was what what about in that times, you know, seventies, eighties and that the main thing that Americans wanted was entertainment and so the seeker sensitive model was built on this philosophy that let's hold services that aren't necessarily worship services though they call them worship services They're Sunday morning services and let's use let's get rid of things that drive people away from Christianity so all of the offense of the gospel <laughs> all of the teachings of Jesus that didn't wasn't Jesus just saying you know love one another they yeah. love stu- like to to most of these seeker sensitive models the only word in the bible is love yeah it's the only word they'd be familiar with love maybe grace mercy they the, those kinds of terms they love but anything that has to do with the wrath of god anything that would have to do with hell anything would Anything that would demand a change of lifestyle or Mm -hmm. uh, a costly discipleship they get rid of, right? So get out uh, of that and have entertainment. And so they would use entertainment as a means to draw in people. And then in their own terminology, they would bring the gospel in the back door. So now once we got them in there, we'll try to bring the gospel into the back door. And uh, even in beginning times, they they liked to meet in movie theaters. This was a big thing for them. Hmm. And what do you feel when you go into a movie theater? You no longer feel like that a church. It doesn't feel churchy. Right. It's you know, it feels like what you feel when you're going to go yeah. see a good movie, right? Well,
2: and
0: is that not even play into the architecture of buildings? You yes. know, like how many churches just became big black boxes, right? It doesn't right. feel like a church, right? <laughs> you yeah. know, there's no element of transcendence or anything like it's just. It's a, it's a big stage with good light show and good music and things like that, Yeah. which is so like the entertainment factor. That's why, you know, and I, I hope most people listen to our podcast would like hear stories about churches doing like secular songs, like cover songs to start the service and like laugh at that and right. think that like, that's ridiculous, but there's a reason they do it, right? Yes. Like we want everybody to feel comfortable. And so they'll yep. do ridiculous things like that. If you're on the internet, you see stunts like this all the time.
1: Yes. It it has led to what we still see now. You you see pastors coming in onto the stage on a zip line or motorcycle, motorcycle or basketball courts being set up. You yeah. know during March Madness yeah. or summer at the movies. Let's let's that's, talk about that the movies. Is huge, yeah, and let's let's talk about the movies because that's what everybody's interested in. Right, and then we'll try to slip in some gospel on those things. And the really sad part about it is they're doing this in what is supposed to be a worship service directed to God. Yeah. So here they have a room filled with people to be entertained, not to be edified, not for God to be glorified. They're there to be entertained and they're calling that worship. Right. And they have a room filled with people who aren't even true worshipers. Yes. Like they don't even know, not in truth, they don't know God through Jesus Christ. Yeah. And th- the whole, so the whole system and structure is faulty and it has created a lack of disciples. Yes. Uh, it has created a lack of disciples, uh, largely unregenerate gatherings of people that don't really know the Lord. Um, no real pursuit of holiness and living right. sacrifice for God. N- nothing, any of that is, all of that is foreign to them.
0: Um, so, really, it, we could narrow this down. There's two areas of theology they get wrong. Maybe we could talk about these a little yes. bit. Right. So, first, and they bring this out in the video too, but first, it's bad ecclesiology. Right. They, seeker sensitive churches, don't know what the church is for. Right. And I think what happens is they confuse evangelism for the church. Right. Right. It was yeah. that, like, it may start well intentioned. Like, Let's get unbelievers into the church, and right. then we can preach the gospel to them. But we want to tear down barriers to that. That yeah. may be well intentioned, but that's not the churches That's no. not what
1: the church is for. No, and we don't even see that in the beginning of the church in the book of Acts. We no. don't see that model. the The model was we gather and we worship, then we scatter and we evangelize. Yes, that's the model of church that you see in the New Testament.
0: And this is why, even I think, churches we we don't have an evangelism ministry. right? Right. In terms of like, you can't programmatize that. Why? Well, it's not the church structure to do that. Yeah, It's the individuals that are equipped in the local assembly. And again, going back to the local assembly, and you made the point earlier, we gather to worship God. Is God worshiped when we're singing a secular song to start our service, to make everybody feel comfortable?
1: Yeah. Is God being worshiped when the majority of your worship team isn't Aren't Christians?
0: Is God being worshiped in the majority of your congregation? <laughs> isn't That's right. Is it Christians?
1: These are questions you got to ask. But this is all, and largely because through that system, there's a rejection ultimately of the authority of Scripture and the right of Scripture to tell us who we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to do. The old fashioned regulative principle, like we should be doing what the Bible tells us to do in yep. worship as well. Yep. Like God has an opinion about how we worship and yep. the elements we use during worship. Where it's this mind that, in really, it doesn't surprise me. This comes from the United States. That's where seeker Sensitivity right. comes. It comes from the United States. It's yep. been exported other places now, but it, it it's right in the in, in the United States, and it's that heart that says, "I'll just do what I want to do." Yep. And that's why everybody says, "Well, what's wrong with it? Yep. We can do what we want." And when it, when they would listen to us, they'd say, "What a couple of Pharisees." Yep. This is these are the people Jesus had a problem with. The Pharisees. Jesus loved the sinners and all this. Uh, misunderstanding and misapplication of scripture and that's why I say I say I see at least three theological problems they've got okay you mentioned ecclesiology yep they have a they don't have an understanding of what the church actually is yep. uh, is the church is the body of Christ comprised of regenerate yes. right born again christ-believing people these are the people who are the worshipers of god mm-hmm. uh not the world and therefore in the church there is to be structure and order and worship they all want to be like the corinthian church and do whatever they want to do and paul had to rein the corinthian church mm-hmm. in and said all things should be done decently and in an order yes right? so there there's that ecclesiology problem there's also though a bibliology problem mm-hmm. that is the doctrine of the bible mm-hmm in the original seeker sensitive movements like Hybels and them they were evangelical in the sense that they believed the bible is the authoritative word of god and you had to accept it in its entirety yeah. that has changed with andy stanley who's the new spearhead of the new mm-hmm. movement he is actually denying that fact and trying and unhitching people from first the old testament now he's saying really crazy things about the new testament but there's a there's a faultiness on on bibliology Be not, but in the original part of this and in many of the churches I mentioned earlier, they would affirm a doctrine of inspiration like we would have. The problem is they deny the, the power of the Bible that what is it that changes? What is it that creates? It is the word of God. That's what we see right away in Genesis. He speaks. It happens. Mm -hmm. It's his word that creates. Well, what they want to do is get rid of more and more of the word. There are no scripture readings. There's no reciting of scripture. There's no expositional preaching where the, the preacher is actually saying, this is what God has said, this is what it means, and this is what we must do in light of it. It's all topical sermons on whatever they want to do. They might pull a little scripture in here and there, but they don't, and it's because they don't trust the power of the word. They would say, yes, God saves people, and the word is powerful, but we also need to add to the world word, word a certain uh, flavor in our services right. and entertainment helps then produce salvation. Right. And it's just demonstrably untrue well, over it, the decades.
0: Yeah. And that's why, that's why they're pragmatic, right? They'll do whatever they need to do that's right. in order to affect the kind of results they want. And they don't rely just upon the simple preaching of God's word, that's right. which you think about actually some of the greatest revivals and movements in church history it usually comes through really ill like equipped people or or people that were maybe not as talented I'm thinking like a Jonathan Edwards you know like the revival that was sparked through him from what I understand he wasn't an eloquent preacher right but yet it was just the simple preaching of God's word and that's what affected change because God's word is what's powerful.
1: yeah we have to understand the Bible we have to understand the power of the Bible. And yes. the preaching of the gospel specifically, that is the power of God on yep. salvation. It isn't your entertainment. And then the third one, though, is soteriology, the doctrine of salvation. Their problem is most of these guys are Arminians. Let's just be honest. The, our whole series on the doctrines of grace, they would reject those in large. Yep. Um, if they could even explain, or if they've even thought about it, which most of them probably haven't. But the, They don't understand how salvation works. So in their minds, they feel like, like you said, pragmatism. They have to do whatever the ends justifies. the mean, get people saved. That justifies throwing out the word of God. That justifies entertaining people. That justifies, you know, doing things the way we want to do, even though the Bible is more clear on what we're supposed to be doing because they believe it's what they do ultimately that's going to determine whether this person gets saved. Yep. And if you have a, a healthy understanding of the doctrine of grace, it helps you not slip into the pragmatism of the seeker-sensitive yep. movement.
0: And and two, then it's also going to help you understand who truly is born again, right? Because, and in, in this goes back even prior to the seeker-sensitive era, right? Going back to, um, you know, the revivals of Charles Finney and Billy Sunday and some of those people, right, where where people are just walking the aisle that kind of thing, just come down and then just, well, now you're saved or just pray a prayer, that kind of idea. That's, that's not understanding who is truly born again, you know? And, and so unfortunately churches are filled with people that have done some motions, but have never truly been born again. And when you don't understand, you know, like first John, (laughs) you know, that's, you run into some real, real problems there. Um, other thoughts on
1: that? Well, I think that part, yeah, I okay. think we've covered it. Okay.
0: Um, where where does seeker sensitivity lead?
1: It leads to people who, well, it can lead in a number of ways, dangerous ways, uh, le- dangerous things. One is it leads people um, to think they're okay with God hmm. when they're not. And part of that is because if you come to us church service every week and let's say you're you're an unbeliever and you're living whatever life you want to live. Right. And you come in and all you hear every week is God loves you unconditionally. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're okay. You know, everything's okay with God. And there's you come into those services. There's never a sense of urgency of. You need to repent and trust in Christ. You need to ensure that you're in Christ because there's a wrath of God coming. If you never hear that and all you hear about is this unconditional love, then you're like, well, what's the problem? I'm good to go. And if the pastor is doing what you're supposed to do in secret sensitive churches, avoid hard confronting passages. Like Paul saying, let no one deceive you. Anyone who practices this, 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 and this, and this, and this this will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And the majority of your people coming in are people who are practicing those things and therefore clearly not entering the kingdom of heaven. But all they do is they come in and every week you tell them they're okay. The whole model of seeker sensitivity is tell them they're okay. Yep. There is no bad news before the good news. There's no even opportunity for the spirit to do what he must do in a person's heart, which is convict them of sin because they won't even talk about sin. Yep. They won't even use those terms. And that that pastor is being interviewed on that Costi Hin video. He actually brings that out. Like, we were taught to not use the word sin. We were taught to use a word like mistakes. Right? right? There's a world of difference between mistake <laughs> and sin. <laughs> yeah. And and so they're they're actually trained in these things, Right. so everybody leaves there thinking, "Oh, I uh, I feel okay now. You know, I'm okay." It, I, there was a guy that came and visited our church one time, once, and it just happened to be in June. And I preached a whole sermon on uh, God creating man and woman. That's what marriage should be. We looked at Genesis one, Genesis two homosexuality is wrong. Gay marriage is wrong. Now. And it was in June, which is course was pride month. And that day they were having a pride parade downtown. And this man who knew somebody in our church before he left, he said, I am so discouraged. That was a horrible hate filled message. Mm. I come, I come to church to be encouraged. Mm. And I came and I was discouraged. Yeah. Sadly, he probably could have attended one of many other churches in the city any one of these secret sensitive and he would have been encouraged. Encouraged in what? His sin. Yeah. Encouraged right into hell with no gospel being presented to right. him. They say they're gonna bring the gospel in the back door. The funny thing is it never makes it off the back porch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In most of their services, the true gospel that you that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, died for our sins, that means you need the savior. Never gets in the back door. Yep. It's just not there.
0: You know, the other thing that I think, as far as thinking about where does this lead, we were talking about this before we recorded, is that it doesn't actually promote true discipleship. You know, to be a disciple is to, to follow Jesus, and it's costly. And unfortunately, many seeker-sensitive churches want to lower and lower and lower yeah. <laughs> the bar of what it means to be a Christian, right? We have yeah. service times all throughout the week for you to come whenever you want. Don't feel like coming; just watch online, right? right? Like right. that kind of model. Uh, in and what are you doing? You're saying there's no cost to following Jesus. Yeah, you know, and, and 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 you can live your life however you want and still have a church. That's right. unfortunately what they're prom- promulgating. Yeah, yeah. It's and dangerous. if there
1: are people in these churches, real Christian people, and if you talk to them about the fact, let's say, the, let's say you say to them, "Well, your pastor doesn't even really preach from the Bible." right? I mean, he doesn't even bring one to the pulpit, or if he does, it's referenced a little bit. What do you say about, a lot of them say, I know that, but we get our, we get our feeding elsewhere. I come for the music, but we'll get our, you know, because I like the certain style here and that, and I put up with their little speech that they give, but I get my, my teaching, or I try to do my Bible study elsewhere, but there's something when, in, let's say in a church done right and the pastor gets up with a Bible and he opens a Bible and he says things like these are the very words of God, you know, here here are the words of God congregation and you read it to them. You keep reminding them this is what God says to us, you know, Hear, O Israel, right? And you're you're teaching as those word of God. You're impressing upon these people uh, both a delight in the word of God and the authority in the word of God. That's actually shaping the people to see the word of God for a certain thing. But if they come into a service where the Bible's kind of maybe mentioned a couple times, but not really talked about much after that, it's, it's more and more just gets kind of put to the side for other things. What does that communicate to the people about the word of God? So how would you expect them then to leave the, the service excited about their Bibles and going into that, in into their week, like with the word of God uh, upon their hearts and minds, like they're not going to. And that's where it leads. It's just biblically illiterate Christians, lawless Christians, because they're never their consciences are never pressed. pricked. Yeah, yeah or uh, pricked is what you say. Yeah. yeah, it's like their ne- their consciences are never uh, pricked, and they're just. They're living any way they want. So, what does it produce? It produces unregenerate people. For anyone that is regenerate, because God is sovereign in salvation and can save them even in a seeker-sensitive church, and He does, mm-hmm. they aren't growing as Christians. Their understanding of God in the Bible is so small. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the only word it's like they know is love, and nothing else really matters. So it produces Christians that aren't living. And that's actually Willow Creek, years after it started, did a study on Mm -hmm. their people and they found their people were not living as disciples of Jesus. This was not Bill Heibel's intention. Bill Hybels was one of those I think that was well intentioned. Mm -hmm. But he, he says this, quote, We made a mistake. What we should have done when people cross the line of faith and become Christians, we should have started telling people and teaching people that they have to take responsibility to become self-feeders. We should have gotten people, taught people how to read their Bibles between services, how to do the spiritual practices much more aggressively on their own. So they're admitting, first of all, that their services didn't work to produce disciples. Mm. Yeah. The few that actually came to a real saving faith weren't then out living for the Lord. But instead of them coming to that conclusion and saying, okay, we made a mistake, we need to get out of this, like the guy that Costi Hanna's interviewing, we need to change everything, they say, no, we should have just taught them more how to study their Bibles on their own. But they're not seeing the connection that you're producing. What you're producing in those services is light Christians with no demand on their life, no necessity of change no preaching of the true gospel that begins with the sinfulness of person and their need for save, uh, salvation. You're just entertaining them. Yeah. You can't expect them to walk out of there then and go live for Jesus.
0: Yeah. Uh, a couple other questions. Yeah. Okay. This is, uh, this podcast will be a little bit longer, but I think it's important. Yes. And I hope people sense that. Uh, okay, so one of the big things a seeker-sensitive church is doing is they're talking about evangelizing people. Mm-hmm. Should we preach the gospel in our services? Yes. Do we? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Very simple question. Like, yes, but is the purpose of the worship service to be an evangelistic tool?
1: No. No. It is uh, It is. because, again, remember, the worship service, what is worship? Yeah. Worship is what the people of God do toward God. They yes. worship him. It's not for unbelievers. Now, what we know is, that God's people, even our believers, need. Um, they need reminders of the gospel. Yes, all of the Bible is in the context of the gospel. So the gospel is going to flood through the service, both in our liturgy and in our in our message. You're also just going to preach some messages as you come to those texts. It's just pure gospel. Yes, right, pure good news about Christ and what He's done for us but the main place for believers to evangelize is outside the service mm-hmm. in their homes and with their children and right. their families neighborhoods schools uh, workplaces etc that's where the church goes out and effectively evangelizes right. um and talks to people about Jesus
0: and and here's and uh, I've, I've been thinking about this too because i I do think that's an area we can grow as a church yeah. right in personal evangelism understanding the urgency of the gospel even in my own life that's something I've been praying like Lord impress upon my heart more but that is that is something that like that's a response to all the things that happen in our worship service right, right. The, like yeah. these things are glorious and true yeah and if people don't believe the gospel they're mm-hmm. hopeless mm-hmm. and and so therefore i take the gospel to them okay. okay so then that leads me into another question if the goal of a seeker church is to cause unbelievers to feel welcome and to want to be there how should they feel when they come to our church services
1: i think they should feel welcome
0: yeah well,
1: okay so oh, that, i the, see what you're saying like by our people by, or in well
0: the... let's say by the the structure and the and maybe i'm asking a question that i have <laughs> an answer and thought of. I think of the passage in 1 Corinthians 14, right, where Paul says, you know, if, and he's using it in the context of tongues and prophecy and all of those things, but he says in verse 26, if all prophesy and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. That's right. So I'm saying, what we see in the New Testament is that the, the worship service should feel foreign mm. to an unbeliever. Yeah. They should walk in and go, this is not like the world. That's right. You people, you're worshiping a holy transcendent God yeah. and that comes across in how you, what you say, yeah. how you say it, how you interact, all those things, if they walk in and they feel comfortable like they're you know like at a, just another concert, right. they, they're not going to fall on their face.
1: Yeah. There's nothing unique about it. Yeah. There's no, We are holy people. Yes. And even the way in which we worship is holy, and it should seem strange yes. to some. Uh, the language we use and the terminology we use should be in some ways foreign to some only because it's biblical language mm-hmm. and not worldly language, right? And, and, and even in the people, they should see a distinction and a difference, and they should see uh a love for god and all those things yes so i i see what you're saying where you're going with that yeah because when we say we're not seeker sensitive it doesn't mean that we're mean or rude to no. seekers. that's where i was right. going. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you should they should feel welcome right say you know be kind to people well and and
0: that that would be another question to ask okay because we do have unbelievers that come into our services all the time right uh, and so how should we treat them like anybody else greet them right <laughs> get to know them uh, find out where they are, you know? Like, are they believers in Jesus or not, you know? And that's opportunities to share the gospel. I mean, it is pretty astounding to think, like, we, we're we not thinking of our services as evangelistic tools per se, but there is every week unbelievers in our services. <laughs> the, 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 you have opportunities right there yep. to build a relationship with somebody. You know, you have a, a connecting point to talk about the gospel in mm. the entire service, mm-hmm. right? And so so welcome them. Make yep. them feel accepted and and loved yeah anything else
1: well i just want to say this i'm i'm going to make a it's almost a prediction but i think that i don't know if it'll be if it comes to pass or true or not it's not a prophecy (laughs) it's just my analyzation of the history of the movement what's going on now in churches and where our nation is headed i think that seeker sensitive churches are going to become more and more irrelevant they're not offering anything um, and if, if with as light as they are on any kinds of demands of discipleship or the true gospel or any offering anything real or eternal, you know, the seven steps to a healthy marriage or whatever, why do I have to come to this building on a Sunday morning Yeah, to hear those things? I have YouTube. I could hear different things like that on YouTube from more experts than the dude at the church or whatever who's just offering me these seven topics, you know. Um, I think that over time as especially as we see that true Christians are going to have to be more and more clearly defined as Jesus said and we're going to we're going to receive persecution for the reason Jesus said for righteousness sake, which is interesting. Uh, blessed are you and you're persecuted for righteousness sake. Uh, that's why the world's going to hate us. They, it was it was true of Jesus. They hate me because I testified against it that its works are evil. So as the churches pigeonhole more and more in having to, uh, really having to define these things, you're going to have the seeker sensitive churches have to make that decision too. And if they go the route of the liberal churches and just accept it, they become. Irrelevant, like the liberal yep. churches. Go to some of these Episcopal churches and right. other things that
0: the mainline Protestant Protestant um, churches. They're
1: dead. They're dead. They're just dead, dying churches. None of them are healthy or vibrant. Yep. They're just dead churches, and they're because they're not offering anything. Uh, and if they go the other route where they actually have to start making some stands on the Scripture, they're going to lose all their people who aren't regenerate and you know whatever it is. So I think that the seeker sensitive movement is going to eventually fade away into church history and be looked back on if Jesus doesn't come back be looked back on in a couple hundred years as a really bad idea but um it's something that happened back in the 20th and early 21st century but it's over now yeah. uh, is my prediction but maybe I'm wrong maybe i was wrong once do you remember that it was years ago <laughs> i'll remind you oh, i remember
0: lots of times you've been wrong <laughs> uh, i i have just one other thought that i would tack on to this um, I think we're starting to see some of the fruit, though, of years of seeker sensitivity in in, in people. Uh, my generation, right, so I'm mid-30s, like some of my peers and whatever were brought up in this kind of model. And we're seeing in America, uh, they call it the great de-churching. Right? Yeah, they say good. 40% hmm. of Americans have left the church in the last 25 years. Mm-hmm. Something like 12 and a half million people or something like that. Hmm. Wait, those numbers aren't right it's a lot of people have Mm -hmm. left the church over the years. Wasn't it 40 million people? Maybe it's 40 million people, so 12%. There you go. Well,
1: 80% of statistics are made up right on the spot, so (laughs) either way. But anyway, go ahead. The point is a lot (laughs) of people (laughs)
0: have left a lot of of churches, and a lot of those are from seeker-sensitive churches. And you made the statement to me one time, well, you made it to your daughter and son-in-law when they were looking for a church, and you said to them, the church that your kids grow up in, mm-hmm. that's how they're going to learn to think about God and how that's they're going right. to learn to think about the Bible. Yep. And so I'm saying to other parents in my stage of life, mm-hmm. some of some of pe- my peers and my age range have just left the church, right? Mm-hmm. They grew up in that, and I think they saw, there's nothing here, I'm gone, mm-hmm. and they're not coming back. And and then others are in those churches now, but maybe the, you know the cost, the call to discipleship is so low you know, you're what? What are you establishing as a habit for your children? Mm-hmm. In in what is the church teaching them? You and I have talked a number of times that like we both grew up in churches and in context. One, I was pastor son, but like you were in church every Sunday morning, every mm-hmm. Sunday night, every Wednesday night. And some people will poo poo that and say, "Oh, legalism, da 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 da." But you know what? I've heard from more people who are faithful in ministry today, right. faithful in church. They're like, I'm so thankful for that. That formed and shaped in me a way to think about church. They've never been involved in hooky churches. They're healthy. They're pastors, missionaries. So just think about what kind of people are being formed from that kind of mindset. That's right.
1: Yeah. That'd be my final word. That's good.
0: Well, we thank you guys for listening to this podcast and it's gone a little bit longer, but we hope that you hear our hearts in this and why we would talk about a subject like this because we care about the people of our church and many of the people in our church uh, come out of this or have loved ones in it or haven't given any thought to it. And we care about the churches in our area and would love to see a revitalization of the gospel in in those churches. So we hope that and pray that this conversation has served well the people of Calvary and those who are outside of our church if you enjoy the podcast consider giving us a review and a rating and sharing it with your friends we always love to hear from our listeners the easiest way of course if you're part of our church just come up and talk to us or give us a phone call or send us a text you can also email us at thecalvarycast@gmail.com. at gmail.com email us feedback questions or topics you want us to tackle You follow us online on Instagram and Twitter we are at thecalvarycast At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of his people, and the Great Commission. Until next
2: time.